Empowering listeners from the US to the UK. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, no matter where you are in the world. You are listening to Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. And Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco is also on Biz Talk Radio. You can find out all great things about Biz Talk Radio at biztalkradio.com. Also, if you're unable to listen to my live interviews on Power 98.5 or on Biz Talk Radio, it's always available on any one of your favorite podcast platforms iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Amazon Audible. It's a beautiful day out today. Loving the overcast, rain. It's something that rarely happens here on the, you know, Pacific. Uh, right now, I'm in Las Vegas covering a lot of events. Uh, we got, uh, I've got FHN Magazine coming up. Uh, what else is coming up? Super Bowl is coming up. Couple private parties. Tomorrow, I'm going to be at Tough Enough. Uh, supporting my good friend Miguel Suazo. He's a professional MMA fighter. Looking forward to seeing this. I believe he wins this match. He go gets out of the amateur category and goes into pro category, which then he can either go to UFC or he can go to PFL. We will be having him on one of my upcoming shows, and he can just teach and educate and enlighten anyone if you have any questions about how to get into MMA, what it's like to be working with a corporation, any contract questions, questions about money, training, meal preps. I'm going to have Miguel Suazo answer all of those for you. What I am excited about today, I've got Bill McNamara, someone who I've been watching for a very very long time. Uh, several movies. One you may have heard of, Doing Time on Maple Drive. I believe I had seen that film five times. Chasers is another one. That was another huge hit. And then Implicated. Uh, I can go on and on, but here's what stood out to me. And this was something my assistant sent over. And I'm going to highlight this accomplishment. I've never heard of any actor having this accomplishment. Uh, Where do we have it, Christina? Okay. Uh, Bill, Billy has over 165 film and TV appearances. Has your jaw dropped yet? Once again, Bill has over 165 film and TV appearances. I cannot even imagine the work and effort. And he still looks exceptional. I mean, really, really good. Uh, It's incredible. Like this guy has not really aged at all. Um, he, he, He just looks timeless. Head on over to his Instagram at William McNamara, 108. Once again, William McNamara, 108. 
Bill, welcome to Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco. I, I said to you before we went live, I'm impressed and never knew that all of these years later, I would be interviewing you and having you on my show. <laughs> well, it's great. It's great to be on your show. And, and, uh, and uh, I do appreciate uh, the kind words. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm uh, very honored to be on your show. I've got to look at, to ask this question, what has sustained you throughout these decades to continue? I mean, you're, you're still working on projects. How are you c- accomplishing this? Well, you know, it's, uh, it is an interesting and definitely a long career. Uh, you know, would I do things differently in retrospect? Yes, but, but I'm still, I'm a survivor. I'm still, I'm still making a living as an actor. Uh, you know, and, uh, but I will say that the, the opportunities now are much more difficult, uh, to come by. And so, you know, I can't complain. I have to be grateful because I'm making a living doing acting what I love, which is hard to do. You know, for the last, since 1985 or 86, I believe, is when I started. Just uh, dropped out of college, actually, to do it. And uh, so it's been it's been great. You know, the, the 90s and early 2000s were fantastic. I was getting great opportunities. But as you get older in this town, uh, and, you know, it's funny. I, I had like a, you know, I had, a, I had this, uh, I had a drug problem. I'm sober now. 18, I'll have 19 years in March, which is amazing. So one month from now, I should have 19 years if I make it. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, that's that really got in the way of the focus and the groundedness that you really need. And I was in that. I was auditioning in the 80s and 90s against all the these guys from you know from from Brad Pitt to to Matt Damon to Chris O'Donnell. We were all kind of. I was more New York. So I was up against Christian Slater a lot and people like that. Uh, but I did move out to L.A. and then it was always the same guys. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I never understood that getting older or, you know, you really got to stay focused and on the ball 100 percent, 100 percent of the time. So if you take your eye off the ball, it's such a competitive field. It's like becoming an Olympic athlete and uh, and, and, and meddling, you know, whether it's a bronze, silver or gold, it, that's how competitive I think this, this world is. And, uh, and so, you, you know, I, a few times I took my eye off the ball and then trying to get back in the game. And then when you're younger, it's easier to get back in the game, uh, because youth is like the most important thing to Hollywood. Um, and which makes sense, you know? Uh, so anyway, it's been a, that's a long-winded answer or response to what you said, but but yes, it's been a long career, and you know now I do a lot of like these lifetime movies or these um, you know movies that are really meant for you know just video release, whether it's Netflix or Amazon. Uh, so, for example, I'm going to do a movie in Kentucky in uh, mid-February, and. Um, uh, with Mel Gibson and Steven Dorff and um, I think, I think Ruby Rose, I'm not hundred percent positive. Uh, and so, but again, you know, these are these lower budget uh, movies where most of the money is spent on the bigger names. And then you have very little money to, to, to shoot the film. Well, I hope you're in the category bill of being that big name and 
also, you know, as I shared with you earlier, you, you've got my support. You're now part of the family. You don't need to have an accolade. You don't need to have another, you know, movie to have something to talk about. I believe what's more important is that someone who's professional like you, who has a story where you've accomplished a lot, you've overcome a lot in your life, you're being transparent, not knowing whether or how comfortable you are about that. It's just, we, we as a public feel that throughout the years, and I shared this also with you, that journalism has taken such a shift because of media companies. The industry has taken such a shift. The way casting is very different. As you had said, not a lot of money is left for production. Distributions require at least an A-list or B-list actor to even consider putting it out there and getting it on Amazon or Netflix or whatever other subscription or, or a free platform possibly are you with all of your efforts bill do you feel of everything that you've accomplished and have gone through so much that you are proud of yourself to still not only be working but that you're still here and you're still able to have these conversations and you're still able to inspire people doesn't that move your heart Oh yeah, absolutely. It does. Oh yeah. And, and that's, and that's the real reason, uh, why I do it. Um, absolutely. You know, because as you mentioned, you know, think the, the, there's not a lot of money left for the middle-class actors anymore. So it is very difficult. Uh, and I, 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 obviously if I didn't love what I did and, and, and love the giving back with how good that makes me feel, I probably would you know, become a real estate agent like most of my friends have done. Are you, if I may ask, are you considered that middle class actor or are you placed in that space of Mel Gibson and all of that? Because I would assume that you are considered and would be respected as a top tier actor. Would you like to expand? No, it's that's actually yeah, I I wish that was true, you know, and and what happened, what happened was and I didn't you know, you you never realize this at the time, of course, hindsight, they say is 2020, obviously, right. So a lot of these actors that they'll hire for these movies, and they get paid well, um, uh, like Stephen Dorff, for example, Um, I was in the same category with him in the 90s, you know, we were kind of neck and neck all the time. And you know, it's each other auditions and stuff like that. Um, you have to be in one or two major hits or one or two major TV shows. So actually for me, um, I turned down, uh, the replacement that I was outright offered to replace Johnny Depp when he left 21 jump street. Uh, you know, and I, I should have done it. Right. I was offered, uh, um, a role on Beverly Hills 90210. I was offered the Andrew Shue role on uh, Melrose Place. Um, and and so I was really, in the 90s, really focused on, uh, you know, film. And I wanted to be a movie star, so to speak. And that's what my agents wanted me to be. So that's so I was being groomed for that place. And, um, you know, in the 90s, it wasn't so easy. It was harder to transition from television to film now everything's flipped upside down now the tv the tv shows some of these great shows are bigger and better than most movies and these 
TV stars become huge. You know, it's easy for them to be. In fact, they want TV stars in movies now, you know. So, you know, I, I, I missed the boat in a few areas. And while some of the movies were, you know, nice hits, uh, small hits like Stealing Home with Jodie Fly. That was my first big movie that I got. You know, that's when CAA called me and took me on. Uh, so, uh, you know, so no, I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm like in a in the middle class range now. And um, it's it's also, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on that people probably aren't aware of. And and, and uh, a few years ago, the Writers Guild, this is before the writers strike and before the actors strike, the Writers Guild sued the big agencies, in particular, CAA and William Morris Endeavor. Right. So they they sued them for two issues, and everybody forgets about the second issue. But the first issue was CAA and William Morris were packaging all about 80 to 85 percent of television in Hollywood. So what that means when they're packaging it, they're actually the producers of the show. So how they were having a conflict of interest, the writers accused them of having a conflict of interest because how are they going to produce the show and then negotiate on their client's best interest? It's very hard to do. So the, the, the writers are like, hey, you either have to be the agents or the producers. You can't be both. And the second issue was that um, what happened was because William Morris and CAA controlled most of television, uh, all the writers, writer rooms were populated by their clients. So that means if you're not with one of those two big agencies, no matter how good of a writer you are, you'll never have a chance to get it to make a living as a writer because CAA and William Morris will populate all their the openings with their clients. And that's a good thing for, you know, if you're a client of CAA, that's fantastic. <laughs> if you're not, it's not good. So that was the second issue. And um, I, I believe the Writers Guild, they won the lawsuit. I think everybody settled and CAA and William Morris finally signed on to some agreement. Um, but the thing that everybody misses, in my opinion, is it's the, it's the same thing for actors. So in the late 80s and all through the 90s, early 2000s, I was with those big agencies and I benefited nicely from them. It was fantastic. But as you get older and you're not bringing in a lot of money anymore, those agencies drop you. It's a business decision, nothing personal. So what happens is, is uh, I'm with a smaller agency now, and they only get 15% of the of the television that's being made. And you've got thousands upon thousands of actors now because of self-tapes applying for those roles, auditioning for those roles. So it is, it's, it's a very... Uh, things have completely changed. And, and who knows with AI, two to three years, they might be able to populate entire films and TV shows with AI actors. Who knows? So, so yeah, things are changing. <laughs> what I like, you brought up so many good gems, Bill. Uh, one, the politics, you know, real, it's, it's got to change without professionals like you. These right. companies would not exist. The problem is, is they still believe, and I know, you know, I've been in this for over 30 years. Uh, we've been in it about the same time, give or take or so. Uh, you may have been longer, I, I would say. And it's the attitude and thoughts process of 
everyone is expendable. There's always going to be somebody there believing that someone's going to be desperate enough to do the role, to do the job, either for free or for barely anything. And honestly, there still are people that will line up and they will do that. That's right. That's right. That's that's exactly right. And so it is, it's way more difficult. I, I work, I work 10 times harder now and I only make 10% of what I used to make. So I'm working 10 times harder, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and basically getting by. And I'm lucky and grateful for that, by the way. It's, so that's, that's good. <laughs> I'm shocked. I would never have thought that you were not in a certain specific category. Your work is really good. You did incredible films in the 80s and 90s that I remember. I've never heard or could recall someone speaking horrible about you in the media. Once again, not from my perception. I, I don't remember you having any sort of TMZ scandal about you. And with, I mean, all the film and TV appearances, it's like, That should say a lot that you would be hired for that many projects, no matter what the project is, to be hired for that many projects, to be involved in that many projects would speak volumes that if there was something discrediting about you or if anyone was concerned about your reputation, you would have never have accomplished that. I don't even know if there are some A-list actors that have been in that many roles or appearances. Yeah, I don't know either. And yeah, I've definitely proven myself time and time again. Um, uh, and I've shown that I've got range. I mean, who knows? I, I have no idea. And by the way, I, I just sent you, I wish I would have sent it to you earlier. I just sent you the sizzle wheel, which is different from a commercial uh, trailer, film or TV trailer. You know, commercial trailers are a minute, 32 minutes long. I sent you the sizzle. It's called the sizzle wheel. It's four and a half minutes long. So it's a lot longer than most, but it represents uh, uh, 300 minutes, uh, 10, 30 minute episodes of a series that I wrote and directed. And so the, the good news is though, is, is making me lean and mean caused me to go out there and put together my own TV series. And it's actually pretty good. And people, anybody that sees the trailer, and you can post that trailer anywhere, or the sizzle reel, you can post it if you have anywhere to post it. You'll see. I did a, I did a good job. So it forced me to uh, change my approach. And it actually, you know, these when you get a challenge, if you meet the challenge and you and you take it on, and you you don't look at it as a as an obstacle or a defeat. Um, but you you take the challenge and you you convert that challenge into energy, and from that energy you make something. And I did, and so it opened up a whole new world for me. And I I never knew that I was a good writer, and I've gotten a couple of gigs from uh, hired to write a couple of projects just from people seeing the sizzle and seeing episode one, for example. Um, and so. So it actually, you know, the, the, there's great news behind all this. It's not all sad and, and sorrowful, you know, there, it forced me to do something and it's a comedy. And so, you know, for years I was plagued with, um, I'll tell you another interesting story. 
uh, you know, in Hollywood, you're plagued with stereotypes and your agent really wants to focus on what they think you're good at. And they really want to capitalize on that, right? So if you're a sitcom actor, agent wants to get you into sitcom after sitcom after sitcom, which is good, by the way. If you're a dramatic actor and you're good at it, which I was or am, uh, they want to get you in, in those roles repeatedly. And I remember I used to always tell people I'm, I'm, I'm funny. I think I'm funny. And I, I want to be uh, sent, you know, audition. I want to audition for comedies. My agent would say, that, that's just not your thing, man. It's, you're not funny, but you're a very good dramatic actor, Billy. So let's, let's focus on that and make some money. And so for years, I um, I never got my shot. I never, you know, you know, I got that. I never got this, the comedy shot. So I said, you know what? I, I, you know, uh, life has dealt me these cards. Uh, the career is kind of not is not super good. So what do I need to do? Well, my dream is to be a comedic actor. And uh, I'm going to make my own star in my own series. <laughs> and so um, used a lot of my own money. Then a good buddy of mine came in and financed the rest. And uh, it's like a dream come true. I mean, not many people, my entertainment attorney, who represents a lot of big writers, said, Billy, there are not many people in this town that have shot 10 episodes independently. And they're pretty good. And he said, so you've done something that 99.9% of people in this town have never done, are not able to do. And I have no idea how you did it. And it is, you know, it is, uh, I'm very proud of that, right? And so the other thing is that another quick story to give you some insight. So when I did Stealing Home, it's a coming of age movie uh, with Jodie Foster. Uh, and I'm coming of age in it, and it's a very dramatic film. My father dies, and and I lose my virginity to to, to Jody, and blah blah blah. Um, so it's like this very heavy duty dramatic film, and it, it did pretty well. Uh, not as well as it should have, but it did pretty well. And I still have fans from t- you know people from 30 years ago. Uh, whenever I post something about stealing home on Facebook, I get, you know, a hundred people. Oh, that's my favorite movie. I grew up on that song and blah, 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 blah. And so, but for years after, after stealing home, um, I played the boy next, was the boy next door, the sweet, innocent boy next door loses virginity. And so for years, uh, I wanted to go on like edgier roles. And every time my agent would call the caster said, Hey, Billy would really like to come in on this project. And the caster district would say well you know billy is like the boy next door he, he's just too soft he, he can't play a role like this he's just he's too soft uh, and so that was the feedback we get and i get denied so then out of the blue a director hires me to play a serial killer in a big movie with sigourney weaver and holly hunter and harry connick um uh, copycat right out of the blue i didn't even audition for it i'm like and I, I even I thought to myself, uh, I I wanted to play the detective role that Dermot Mulroney got, right? But I'm like a serial killer. I I, I don't think I could play this because I bought the hype. I bought the fact that I'm a boy next door and I'm too soft. So, but the director's like, no, I think you could do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, and I did it. And it's a very dark, interesting performance, which I got a lot of accolades for. And um, and so then. <laughs> Then when my agent was trying to, uh, you know, put me forward for leading man roles, um, you know, good guy, the good guy. Right. 
the cash director would say, no, no, no. I, I saw copycat. Billy is way too dark. He did that. He was too good in that performance. Billy is a very dark, dark person, very edgy and dark. And he just doesn't fit the bill for this. I'm sorry. So no matter what you do in Hollywood, it's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Either way, no matter what anyone else's opinion is, and just to let you know, I've have been uh, while you're sharing, Bill. Uh, I, I've got your screener here, the Trouble series. Okay. One, I've be, as I've been listening and taking and absorbing what you're sharing. What I've been doing is I've been been comparing, if that's the right word. What I've been doing is take objectively taking in what you're saying. Watching this in silent, um, I was taught by a uh, casting director and an acting coach that at times when you're wanting to learn something and to feel the scene, have it on mute. And you can yes. learn so. That's my technique. Is that your yes. technique too? I love it. <laughs> yes. Genius. And that is absolutely right. So I've been watching this on silent, listening to your truth, and I'm going to tell you from the heart, no, no BS, from the heart, there is no mistake in my belief. There is no mistake for what you've gone through and experienced in your life because what I am watching right now and what is in front of me has prepared you perfectly for this. <laughs> yes. I feel it. I it, I am receiving so much more watching it in silence, and it, I have it. I still have it playing. I can yes. feel this without yeah. even hearing what you or anyone else is saying, and it's powerful. Yes, and I'm saying yes, that as you. as a from a publicist perspective, that yes. this is. I'm going to say genius in a way because this captures. You, this is about Bill McNamara. This is about you owning your power, taking control. But also I feel that there's a, a sense of generosity and camaraderie, how you are giving yourself and other people permission to get out of your head and just be available to just be. Yes, that's right. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. You, you, you get it. That's <laughs> amazing. It's fantastic. I like how you you just brightened up, and when I told you about that technique that I still do of watching things in silence, I you're the first person who has agreed that that's something you have learned and done as well. That's that's right. Yep, I went to my own uh, drama school. I couldn't. I, I you know I I was uh, I dropped out of Columbia in New York, and um, to to because I started getting a lot of success as an actor and traveling so much, I couldn't keep up with school, but I did want to, I always wanted to go to a great drama school. And I actually applied and auditioned for Lambda London Academy, music and dramatic arts. I actually got accepted, but I got another movie. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to stick to this. So I always did want to go to a, a, a drama school, a, a real one, you know, NYU Tisch School of the Arts or one of these schools, but, and I, but I, I didn't. And so I had to do exactly what you're talking about. I had to train myself. You know, and I did find great acting teachers in New York and L.A. But one of the techniques I do to learn is I'll watch whether it's De Niro or Hoffman or any of my favorite actors in I'll watch the whole movie in silence. 
because I'll see because um, I watch and that's where I learned so much. Mm-hmm. It's a great way that you, if you can't afford drama school, you know, there's a million ways to make yourself a great actor. And, uh, and, and that's one of them. And I've learned many great ways, m- many great techniques, so much so that uh, I'm in demand as an acting coach in L.A. In fact, this morning I had to change. I forgot. You know, I wasn't I, you know, I forgot about our interview at t- 10. But so I had an acting uh, student at, uh, at 930. So I had to call him. He's I had to do it on Zoom season Vegas. And I had to call him and say, hey, buddy, I'm uh, doing a radio show today at 10. So I can't do it. He goes, well, can you do earlier? So I'm sure I can do right now, 8.30. So we did 8.30 to, to 9.45. And so I, I this, these things I teach these younger people, and that's one of the things. That's one of my techniques. I have them watch at least scenes on YouTube from great movies and great performances in silence, on mute. And boy, they get it. Isn't that something? Yeah. It's just fantastic. What's going to be happening with... Uh, your series. I, I did email you back, uh, letting you know I received it, looking to get more information if there's a bio, if there's a press release, if there's anything on it. Is there? Is this going on a network? Can you expand more, Bill, on yes. what's happening? Yeah, so what we're doing now is, um, you know, the, the actor strike and the writer strike really shut down the industry tremendously. Um, and there's good news and bad news in for our project, the good news is, is there this, the town is lacking content due to like a six month or seven month hold uh, on production. And even writers couldn't write or develop anything. Uh, so that's the good news. Um, and so me and my partner, Randall Battenkoff, the actor who's also in it, he stars in it. And he's a good friend of mine. He's a phenomenal actor. And if you look up his resume, you'll see he's got an A plus resume uh, as well. Um, and so, uh, what we're trying, what we, what we would like to do now is we're, we are putting together, uh, a package that we can start shopping. We have the, uh, the sizzle reel. We have a compilation of a couple of really good scenes. Um, and we also send out in case they want to watch, we send out episode one, five and 10. And, uh, and then we have all 10 episodes if they really want to watch, which somebody actually this weekend is doing. Um, and we also have a really fantastic lookbook slash Bible. A Bible is uh, your episodes for season one in summaries, little summaries. And uh, we've we've gone as far as d- we've done the uh, Bible summaries for season two. So what we really want, what we what we really want to do, and we're not looking for a lot of money up front. Uh, just to cover our costs, what we, but, but we're looking for a commitment for a second season. So we're asking a lot, but we believe that we have a really good product. It's very inexpensive to make. Um, and I get a lot of cameos from friends like Billy Baldwin, and great actors and well-known actors, RJ Wagner, for example. Right. Um, you know, and, and so we, we want to continue in season two and get all these great, you know, our friends between me and Randall to do cameos and they will, and they do. So it's, um, I think we have a really good package here and we, and you know, the other thing that we want to do, maybe I should talk to you about this is, uh, we want to get some, we probably have to make shorter, take the four minutes and cut it down to like 30 second or 20 second spots and then do try to get some, um, some social media exposure or make it viral 
and, and that'll actually make the, the the platforms and the studios and the you know from Showtime to Netflix to Hulu to Tubi's doing original content. So we we may need to uh, have a viral video that helps us uh, get in the door because again. It, it's like the mafia in Hollywood trying to even trying to sell 10 episodes. If you're not a made man, if you're not a well-known showrunner, no matter how good your show is, there's guardians at the gate that don't even let you in to, to meet, you know, to get it to the right people. So it's a, everything is, it's a, you know, everything's a challenge. And you're right because that's just like anything else. It's all about memberships, you know, yes. you know it, it, like it, are you, how much money are you paying to the chamber of Congress that would get right. you to meet either the local center or local sports right. team owners? Everything is membership. Yes. <laughs> everything is membership. <laughs> that's right. So uh, that's what we're up against and it's, it's nonstop, uh, but it keeps you alive. It's energizing. And it's exciting and it's exciting to be a creator when we're doing this and we're, you know, Randall and I are, uh, he's got another TV series that, that he wrote with his wife that they had me come in and rewrite and we're reshooting a bunch of scenes, which are great. So, you know, the creative thing is, is the fuel that keeps me going, being creative and having that, that it's just so fun and energizing to be a creator. Have you thought, and you've got my private personal number, you call me anytime, FaceTime me, whatever it works. Uh, Seriously, I'm here. I understand your position and what you're looking for. I've got to ask from a publicist perspective, when we're looking at social media, and here's the thing, if you were to ask Stephen, do you think the sizzle reel is too long? I'm going to say at first, I was surprised that it's near four minutes and 45 seconds. Yes. The thing of it is, is there's so much, what made sense is I watched it in silence twice uh, oh, while wow. listening with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fast processor. I know how to take <laughs> Google and chat GPT and put that together. That's how my brain works. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and I'm East coast too. I'm from New Jersey. So I've got that speed. All right. I right. That speed. Right. The sizzle reel in itself for it makes sense for it to be that long because there's so many, if it's the word nuances, or I would say there's so many great aspects that I can tell about this series where I'm going to honestly say, once again, from a journalist media PR perspective, I don't feel it's too much, especially when we're looking and considering investors or sponsors or whatever else. We right. do know that within this day and age, our generation bill attention span was 25 to 30 minutes. Yes, uh, we could use, um, in to go back what you had said before, we only needed maybe about 60 to 120 minutes, if that's right, like a, a minute to two minutes and 30 seconds to really yes. compact it all to know where to go. Now yes. with the attention span, and this has been assessed, it's 1.6 to 2.9 seconds. So we went from 25 to 30 minutes to 1.6 to 2.9 seconds. Wow. When it comes to... Instagram and TikTok, it is known for aiming for any sort of sizzle reel to make it between 15 to 60 seconds. So yep. you've got a lot, you've got four minutes and 45 
seconds. Yes. The question is, is what of four minutes and 45 minutes of 15 to 60 seconds can you or your team use to put together short videos or short mini series clips, let's say three yes. for TikTok, um, because TikTok is where it's at for promotional marketing purposes. So that's my recommendation for where social media is at, the attention span, and to understand what the goal is for the call to action that you're looking for for your series trouble. What will that 15 to 60 seconds look, feel, and sound like? Um, yes. Once again, TikTok is where it is at. Uh, Instagram is now the new IMDB. So Instagram, if it's for uh, booking uh, for musicians or casting directors to where, you know, having been in casting and even at times when someone wants to cast me, they're contacting me through I um, Instagram, which once again, I consider the new IMDB. However, uh, when we think of products and services, which you're looking, you could fall into that product and service category. TikTok is it. So with sharing that, have you looked into TikTok? What are your thoughts in comparison, Bill, to TikTok and Instagram? And have you had these conversations? Yes. Uh, you know, Randall and I have talked about this. You know, Randall, uh, my partner, really, you know, it was his brother-in-law that did the financing. He was pretty wealthy. They want to go first. They want to try to get a deal. Uh, so it's like original content, to, like Tubi, for example. And they pay us something, and we get a dedicated eight to nine slot. You know, that, that's our that's our first choice. And of course, it'd be great to get on Showtime or HBO. And we did uh, we did send it. HBO was interested, and they did look at it last week. We haven't heard from them though, so it could be good or bad. I don't know. So we do. We would like to get. Uh, our first choice would be to try to get a platform and then they do all the marketing, right? They have a whole marketing division. Um, and if that doesn't work and maybe in coordination, do a little bit of social media marketing now, like I said before, to get a little bit of heat on it. You know, if all of a sudden it's uh, it's racking up views on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and uh, a couple of executives see it like, wow, I just saw this crazy thing on Instagram. Let's 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 contact this guy. Uh, it's got a you know, it's got, a you know, 240,000 views, you know, in, in, in two days, something like that. Right. Um, that would be so that's great. And then the, the last thing that we would do, and it is a definitely an option and it might be the best again, you know. We might be forced, uh, the the force might be forcing us into a direction where we, we self-distribute it. And we put it out on two or three of the big platforms, and um, which you can do now these days. And, and then we do the marketing, and we do some heavy duty. We have to spend a little bit of money, you know, and, and do the marketing and, uh, and maybe hire a few um, – social media stars and we have a few social is we have three or four in the show we got lindsey pila she's got 11 million followers uh nikki lee she's got about between all her different platforms probably five million um this, the russian girl she's got a couple of million so we have a couple of people already uh in that world so we just haven't pulled the trigger on that yet and then of course yes making those 15 to 20 second videos and i instantly i hope i saved it I found an amazing uh, AI site that takes that you upload your video to or any YouTube video, by the way, 
and it cuts little 15-second trailers for you. And they were pretty good. I was like, wow. That, I, I uploaded that four-and-a-half-minute sizzle reel. The only thing it didn't do is it didn't frame it correctly. So it was kind of – it was weird. The framing was weird. But everything else was like – it was great. It was taking these really great moments and adding dialogue to it. You know, it's kind of was like, wow. It was so impressive. I would say – and here's just a couple things. I have known people who've gone in, taken it direct to distribution. There's no way you would have a problem not getting it into distribution. Right. Um, and then look at, all right, if you get it into distribution, uh, most people go directly and, and they first go to Amazon. What would that mean? All right, you would have the branding of Amazon. You would have the support system knowing, all right, it's self-funded, depending on who you notify, how much of your back-end story of putting this together, Bill, how do you plan on working that into press, media, your EPK, any of your pitches, right. uh, offer for uh, investments or such? Um, how do you want to look at that? Because honestly, the question – the answer you need to have for the question you and or you, Bill, and your team is how long do you want to keep this on a shelf? And when is it going to be the right time? Because you've also got to think when we th about financials, uh, quarter, we're in the first quarter right now. Most of the time uh, during the fourth quarter of the year, there could be extra cash and there are major companies or people who want certain tax write-offs, certain investments, right. certain titles, right. certain uh, positions, and they're going to be more free at distributing their funds during the fourth quarter. First quarter is a little bit different. So do you want to do it? What do you want moves you want to make now? Is it uh, is uh, during a time of we're still depending on the region bill in that? winter series so are people going to be more inclined are they still shifting through what's on demand now or as we get more into spring and summer what does that look like you know we've got people are already starting to travel i'm currently here in las vegas we are now going into season this is a time where the weather is perfect not too hot not too cold most people are not sitting around right now just watching tv they're out prospecting for new work uh, new jobs, new opportunities, moving is huge around this time of year, especially here in Vegas. And being from the New York, New Jersey area originally, uh, I would think that something like your show, if it were to come out on Amazon or Netflix, could be uh, something great. But I also know Netflix is not putting any money into marketing and advertising. So what does that mean? You put your – or place your project bill – uh, with a certain distribution company and getting it out there on whatever specific platform, what are they going to do for you? Is it just going to sit there and like you said, you're going to have to create an infrastructure of you doing your own marketing and advertising? And lastly, I've got to ask, um, did you guys create a story arc or are you planning on creating a story arc, uh, something for either social media or to build up for those investors or sponsors 
Well, we definitely, yes. The, that's why I send one, five, and ten, these finished episodes. It's, we have a real solid, very powerful story arc. Uh, and season two does as well. It carries on. Uh, so we, we, we have that. And we, we have a couple of elements in, in our um, in the show. And oddly enough, uh, a couple of areas. So, so one is uh, the, the Billy's sidekick is his dog, Boo, played by my dog, Twinkie. And so in that uh, in, in that thing, um, basically, it, she's a pit bull, right? And she's got a heart condition. So Billy, for the first half of the show, it's Billy's trying to get the trying to get his dog a heart transplant. And it's, you know, he's living in the car with the dog. So it all all doesn't look well for Billy. But the good news is. Taking a sip of water, sorry. Um, the good news is. um <clears throat> Is the pit bull, the pit bull, you know, I do, I'm also, I don't know if I've spoken, you, you know about this, but I'm very big in the animal rescue world. I had my own show with Allison Eastwood on, um, on Nat Geo. We used to rescue exotic animals for the camera. And we've been doing, I've been doing dogs and cats and all sorts of animals for the last 25 years. I was a crew member on Sea Shepherd, which is a direct action anti-whaling organization. Um, and so, and I've done a lot of pit bull rescue. And Allison Eastwood, uh, she has a Eastwood Ranch Foundation where we rescue dogs and I do a lot of, I'm on the board and we do a lot of pit bulls. So the pit bull community, believe it or not, if we put together clips of, um, uh, you know, short clips and uh, sort of we propagate them on the, on the, uh, the different animal sites and there's pit bull Instagram things, there's TikTok pit bull, there's YouTube pit bulls, Facebook, millions of followers. People either love pit bulls or they hate them. And the people that love them, love them like crazy. It's a craziness, right? It's a cult. And it's global. I mean, we have, I know pit bull organizations from Thailand to New Zealand to, I mean, you name it, they're all over the world. And so that would be one area that I think that we would, uh, you know, try to exploit in, in the positive sense of exploit, uh, you know, people that love pit bulls. And here's a show that stars a pit bull. It's kind of unusual. Um, and then, you know, Billy's character, uh, we find out in the beginning, uh, Billy's character is missing from Hollywood. He's the has-been actor who's been missing for 10 years. And, and most actors, uh, when you they've been missing, it's like, oh, he had a drug problem, or oh, he went crazy, or oh, he took a job at Starbucks, or whatever. Well, Billy, in Billy's world, he he believes he was abducted by aliens and was gone for 10 years. That's, that's what screwed up his career. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a drug addiction. It was, uh, where have you been, Billy? Uh, outer space? Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, I got abducted by aliens. Oh, wow. Okay, pal. Good to see you. Uh, good luck. <laughs> it's original. Yeah. Not many people. Uh, most people say, well, I had a drug problem and I did this and that. Not Billy. Nope. <laughs> he was taken to outer space for 10 years and withheld from doing acting jobs. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I let me tell you something. The way the yes. world is, I don't consider it far-fetched because there are many people that may not dismiss, dismiss that because honestly, Bill... Uh, there are a lot of people that do believe in those scenarios. So I think that you yes. can get away with telling and sharing the narrative and context however you choose to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and that's another avenue to exploit. It's yeah. like now UFOs and aliens and abductions are, are in, they're in mainstream media now. 
So, you know, this, the, the show opens up, says based on a true story, unfortunately, based on a true story. <laughs> and so it's uh, so that's another area to, you know, that I that I can talk about because I've had a lot of experiences with uh, with the UFO with UFOs. Spent a year chasing them in upstate New York and out in Hudson Valley. Oh, really? And oh, yeah, they were they were all over. I thought I was going crazy, and I didn't. I couldn't tell anybody because I couldn't tell anybody about it because my mom and my family and friends would think I was doing drugs again. So I've been sober. I'm in AA. I go to AA almost you know every day. I do it for eight last eighteen years. So I was definitely sober, but I was seeing crazy things that. I thought, you know, I can't really tell anybody about this because they're going to think I'm doing drugs again. I'm running around chasing, uh, you know, hallucinating. Now, here's the thing. That stuff is real. And if you ever want to have a conversation about it, I. It's real. Exactly. And so I could go on coast to coast, for example, and talk about it and and push my TV series. It's about a guy who got abducted by aliens. So there's so many avenues that we can take for the, uh, you know, for for marketing of this of the show. Right. And you have another thing. How many shows uh, have a transgender girl uh, as the you know, she becomes my girlfriend towards the end. We're friends in the beginning. And uh, I've got a crazy ex-girlfriend that just ruins my life constantly. And Claudia Cherez, uh, she's a well-known uh, transgender. And she kind of comes in and saves the day. And she's the only person that stands by me by the end of the show, episode 10. And uh, uh, and then episode, season two, it's all about me and her going, uh, having a great life. So that's a whole other thing. The LGBTQT community could be included in the in the marketing of this. Mm. There's so many areas that you can go, and it reminds me of when we like digress a little bit back to discussing social media. What I would like to see is you sitting down with any of these uh, co-parts and do a a B-roll and yes, sit that's, there that's, that's, yes, to that's add right. in, a, I would say, like maybe the 30 seconds of – conversation back and forth to where you're talking about the dog you're talking about aliens or something and then yes. add into the the rest of it part of in the call to action of the sizzle reel that's what i would like to see i believe to add in strategically good music you doing a b-roll where you're in a studio or sitting down with someone else that's part of the project or someone else that's working with dogs or the the pitbull organization and then tie it in this way you're explaining it makes sense and it's not just speaking at the audience you're speaking to them because we've got commentary and we've got uh content wrapped up in two minutes or in some seconds yes Yes, and that's 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 one of the plans and the things we we want to do. Absolutely right. We want to do a little uh, B roll EPK uh, behind the scenes and kind of going in, in in depth. You're right, and then that can be propagated as well. When we think about updating to current trends, what's in current trends? You spoke on it. You brought up uh, you know the pit bull. And I'm just want to put this on reference that I owned or I had a pit bull at one time and pit bulls, like any dog, even Doberman, my family had, we had German shepherds, Dobermans. Uh, I also had a pit bull and they are very, is the word build docile. Like they're calm. 
It's they're yes. not this stereotype that people make them out to be unless they're trained that way. And when you consider this, I've had small dogs too. I had a miniature pincher and I'm going to tell you my yeah, miniature pincher and anyone who knows poodles, they can be the most aggressive and nasty animals even raised in like my Tara. She was territorial. I don't understand why she was that way. I didn't train her or raise her to be that way, but it was all about her. She did not like other dogs in a house. If she did not have the center of attention, she made it very clear. And she was snippy uh, to other animals. She was not a problem to children. And I could trust her around children and other adults. I will say, though, that um, uh, she was snooty. And if someone was too aggressive with her, she would nip. But I'm going to tell you, those little chihuahuas and them other little teeny tiny dogs. <laughs> That's right. I think that they can be the most nastiest animals, which I don't understand why. I just went out for a walk literally two days ago, Bill. And this one guy was walking his little chihuahua dog, at least that's what it looked like. And the thing literally was trying to lunge at me and the guy was just there. Now, now, don't do that. Like very passive. And it's like, you can tell that this little dog ran the family and no wonder why. And do I believe that those dogs would attack and bite? Absolutely. So it's amazing where people's mindsets are that the bigger the dog And if it has any defense mechanisms or territory mechanisms or protection mechanisms, it is a danger. That dog, oh, my God. But what's the difference with these little scrappy animals or or one? That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. No one asked that. Nobody. I know. (laughs) I know. I was going to say these little scrappy mutts because honestly, even if they're purebreds, I mean, I, I worked as a vet tech uh, in a no-kill animal shelter over uh, at Dr. Bleece in New Jersey. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, you know, I've seen all kinds, but I'm going to tell you from my experience of, of having animals and working with animals professionally, the smaller ones can be the most unpredictable and yes. the most aggressive and hostile than any of the big ones that we got in. Normally any of the big ones, especially the ones that were abused and we got a lot of pit bulls in. I remember we got at least five pit bulls in that were neglected, abused, left outside, all of that. They came in, they were timid, they were shy, but they warmed up very quickly. When we were to get something like a Shih Tzu or a Pomeranian, even if it was a mixed breed or a Bichon, we had this one, um, what was it, Bill? It was uh, a Shih Tzu. He would not, it was unfortunate. The owner left one of them shock collars on it. And for some reason, the dog, it got embedded in the skin to where we had to surgically remove it out. And what was unfortunate is barely anyone could get near this dog. I was one, it was myself and one other female. uh, We were able to walk him and pick him up. Uh, In the beginning, he never, he didn't bite at me, but he let me know depending on where I picked him up to where he would 
defend himself. But it got to where they asked me if I could take him home because they did not want to euthanize him. But he was so unplaceable and definitely could not be around other animals or children to where I thought to myself – I couldn't take him home and I wasn't equipped at the time. And I did have another animal. I actually had a cat and, and my own dog in a house. And I was like, I would love to take him. But the question is, is am I going to do him justice to bring him into my home, knowing that I most likely would favor my other two animals for their well-being, knowing that they were here first. And if I bring him in and he attacks or gets aggressive or, you know, I don't want to be keeping my one dog out and having to put him in a cage to avoid, you know, coming home and finding that both of them tore each other up. It's very, very hard. And a lot of times and where I'm going with this is people really need to consider and to be responsible, especially not only for potential good home uh, homes for these animals, but there are a lot of people that will take pets because they're cute and adorable or they want to do something nice and being ill-equipped, not educated enough in this area, and then they put that animal in the environment and then it's the animal that suffers and is traumatized all over again. And a lot of times this happens with pit bulls and larger dogs more often than not than the smaller because people are assumed because they're coming from the vet, they're coming from the shelter, they're coming from the SPCA or whatever, that they are, you know, they assume that the animal is already trained and know better. But a lot of times these people don't read the animal bios, they don't pay attention or they lie I'm going to re- repeat that, and you you may know this, Bill. They will lie and not let um, the office or, or you know, the establishment or business exactly what the home environment is until they get home, and then they come back wanting to turn the dog in and ask and be like, yeah, he attacked my son. Well, we have on the information and description – uh, the animal is not meant to be in a home and we don't advise where there are children. You did not tell us you had children. We asked you if you had children and you you didn't answer or, or you said no and end up lying, taking it home and then come to find out when they bring the animal back that they do. That happens a lot out there. But once again, the animals get retrained within trauma. And no one considers the damage and takes responsibility of doing this because right. they want to just have another pet. That's right. Yep, that's exactly right. And the pet's going to suffer from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the rescue world is a crazy world. <laughs> It'll wear you down. So... With that, when I once again, and thank you for listening, Bill, and sharing your input on that, is understanding trends, understanding what's going on, being responsible when we think about timing, when we think about resourcing, uh, when we think about delivering the information, we really want to understand, especially with your projects, what you're doing for the animals. We, right. we want to know exactly to be able to have the opportunity to get the full story and to be able to know our options of how we can support you, Bill, your project, the animals that you're working with. And can you share with us, and I believe it's on your Instagram, what is the organization or what is the the 
the pit bull that you're working with this company or or so? Oh uh, well, yes, actually, it's probably not. I, I need to do a link tree on my. Um, I'm going to do a link tree on my uh, Instagram, which I I keep forgetting. Uh, it's uh, so the the organization here in LA is called uh, that we rescue dogs, cats, and pretty much we focus on dogs and cats now. Uh, Eastwood Ranch Foundation, founded by Allison Eastwood, who's Clint Eastwood's daughter, of course, and. So she's we're just finishing building the facility in Agora Hills. It's going to be a large adoption center and the animals will kind of be allowed to run, you know, run freely in the, there'll be a dog area and there'll be a cat area indoors and outdoors. Um, and so we'll have uh, that should be done in probably three months. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we're still rescuing and placing animals, dogs and cats all the time. Uh, mostly dogs, I guess, right now. And, you know, unfortunately, but, but until the facility is done, we have to board a lot of the euthanasia, uh, the, you know, put to sleep, the PTS list, they call it, put to sleep, and we'll board them at a facility. Not the best thing in the world because they're kind of in a small room, you know, and they get a little, they get like 30 minutes of exercise outside the room a day. So it's not the best, better than dying. And then we try to get them adopted by, you know, uh, marketing it on, uh, you know, putting it out there on, on Facebook and in just our general uh, word of mouth uh, community that we have a pretty good relationship with. So, you know, we have that. Um, and so that's that's basically what we're doing. And uh, yeah, and I got to put the Eastwood Ranch on my my link tree. Uh, once again, we've got Bill McNamara. He is an actor. I would say your title is also producer, correct? Producer, writer, director, financier. (laughs) Yes, I'm doing all that now. Yes, it's great. And hopefully one day he doesn't have to resort to becoming a real estate agent or realtor. (laughs) Right. Especially in this market with the interest rates so high. It's not going to nobody's making money right now in that Uh, world. Bill has accomplished and has had the distinguished opportunity of being in over 165 film and TV appearances. Uh, The link you already have on your Instagram and those who want to learn more and to get involved uh, with Bill and his projects, head on over to his Instagram at William McNamara 108. Once again, William McNamara 108. The link you do have on your Instagram, Bill, Uh, goes to This Is My Story, Adopt Me. It's to the Instagram page, uh, mystery underscore four underscore a underscore forever underscore home. Is that tied into what you were sharing? Oh, yes. I got to change that. That's a dog that that just got adopted. So so, uh, that got rescued. Yeah, it was on the euthanasia list. So I actually used that as the only link on there to try to, to really focus all energy and attention. And that dog now is safe. And I did post that on Instagram. So you're right. I need to I need to get that link down and put up my, my old links on, on Linktree. So, yeah, I was trying. That was like an emergency situation. 48 hours before the dog was going to be put to sleep. So I did an Instagram and Facebook post. And then I just put the only link you can get from my pages was the link to that to help that dog. And that dog is now rescued and safe. And unless things, which I know Instagram is constantly changing stuff up, Bill, uh, in your bio, just know that we can no longer copy and paste links that are placed in the bio. So just for bio purposes, put whatever you want, even information about 
your new series, Trouble. Put that in your bio and in any links you want us to click on or to go to and to support or to learn any information about what you're doing or what you're supporting, just have that in your link tree so we can uh, view that. Got it. And then Instagram. So, so, go ahead. So so the link tree, so you can click, you, you're allowed to have like one link that you can click on on Instagram, right? So that's why you have link tree. Is that correct or am I wrong? So let me go to your Instagram. Your uh, so where we are at now is, and I've got to pull you up because I know we're following each other on my United Angels Dream, uh, my public relations media page. Yes. Uh, so let's see. Here I am. All right. So in your, uh, where what you're allowed up to is five links in, with Instagram. When it oh. comes to your Instagram, though, in the bio section. It was placed with the link. We cannot copy or paste on that. You'll see it. It's in white. When we are able to click on a link, it's going to be in the color blue. So when you go to your Instagram page and you click edit profile, you would see it'll go name, username, pronouns, bio, and then links. You can add up to five links as well as your Instagram profile page. So uh-huh, any okay. links you want us to click on, even to add in, you can add in your link tree, and then you can add in four other links if you want to do something for adoption or whatever, but it has to be in blue. So what you would need to do, Bill, is to go in and remove that Instagram, my story for a forever home, out of that because you that's placed in your bio description. We can't copy, paste, or click on that. We only wow. can click on what's in the blue and it will have that link icon to the left. So when you go into edit profile on your Instagram, add, add your take that link out, add your link tree, and then you can add up to four other links. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Because there's no description about you except it has your name and then you pick a category of who you are and it says that you're an actor, but you have absolutely – Absolutely nothing in your bio description except for a link we can't copy and oh, paste wow. and click. Okay. 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 See how this right. worked out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're it. you're allowed up to five links now. Before you're right, it used to be only one, but you can now maximize your Instagram page, Bill. Uh, to go wherever you want, you can add in your uh, the link to trouble. Uh, your series trouble and then you can put a title in there so you add the link i believe when you go in there i'm going to go to mine when i look in links um you put the url first so you can add in the vimeo to the reel and then the title of it you can put uh trouble series or whatever you want or view uh trouble sizzle reel got it okay Fantastic. Well, it's been a learning lesson. <laughs> I'm here to, for you anytime. Like I said, it's it, things are always changing, especially on Instagram. And if you were to ever do TikTok, because you're not on TikTok right now, are you? I, I am. I don't have much on there and I haven't dedicated any time to it, but I, I'm on there just to ha- as a placeholder. Yes. Okay. So TikTok, you're only allowed one link. So whatever is going to be your main and primary link, if it's the link tree, 
and whatever you want that's in that, use that for TikTok. Instagram, you're allowed up to five. Just know Got whatever it. you want that's most important that takes primary, have that be first and then whatever else uh, next within those five options. Okay. Got it. Whew. And if you need me to send or text that stuff over to you, I can, or we can get on another call and walk through it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, I might need a little help once I sit down and start focusing on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, we can do that. No worries. It's not an imposition. And when I offer, I take responsibility. So there's not going to be any uh, excuses of, oh, I don't want to disturb you. No, I don't play. Listen, I delegate like you. We're in a position to where we can delegate our own time. We're working on our own behalf. Yep, that's I, right. I'm not going to to give that. And if I'm unavailable, I'll be like, hey, listen, are you available at this time? I, I There's right. no reason why not to be accommodating. Okay. Just to recap, right. once again, I've got Mr. Bill McNamara, actor, producer, writer. We are talking and have talked about his incredible and most, I'm going to say successful, and it will be and should be the most talked about, uh, his new series, Trouble. Uh, we talked in, in about you know supporting animals and pit bulls and Bill's involvement with helping uh animals when we think of placement and looking in, uh, about rehabilitation and how he's an incredible support system uh, for these young beautiful beauties that deserve and need a loving home. Also, once yes. again, incredible accolades, how Bill has been in over 165 film and TV appearances. Uh, some of my most uh, memorable memories of Bill is uh, doing time on Maple Drive. I know that that received huge accolades when it came out. Chasers yes. was another. Implicated is another. Uh, something to believe in. Uh, I believe another one was Trapped, uh, memory serves me correctly. Uh, and then Natural Enemy uh, with Donald Sutherland was another. I remember that one. But most importantly, my favorite, all-time favorite to date, to to today's date, Bill is still doing time on Maple Drive. It it is a very good. Uh, I'm very proud of that that TV movie, and uh, you know, directed by Ken Olin, starring uh, Jim Carrey. I mean, it's just a great cast. Jim Sicking, phenomenal cast, phenomenal people, had a huge impact. To this day, I get people saying thank you so much. I was when I was a kid, I was thinking of committing suicide, but that movie came on. I was able to show it to my parents, and uh, and uh, and and uh, I didn't have to kill myself. So that that uh, what that's a great that's the greatest gift that you can. I mean, it's like wow, I can't believe I helped somebody in that way just by doing this TV movie, you know. But it but it, that's that's I've had so many. I mean, hundreds of people come up to me or send me emails or Facebook messages or whatever. Unbelievable. It, it to. Listen, it's still timeless. It's still relatable. And I'm going to honestly say I'm glad that you mentioned about Jim Carrey because what I don't understand is it seems to have been a lost commodity of how much depth Jim Carrey has to where when he came out with his later films, the comedies, it's almost as though no one in the media – or uh, from what I remember, 
recognized and shared how incredibly talented he is within the drama sector. And what I love most is it was it's so well done. It's still relevant today, the storyline as you had shared, Bill. It's relatable and still it's a topic that some people are now wanting to talk about, may talk about. Uh, some people are scared to talk about it. This is the thing, and it's something most often, Bill, that I get asked is, and after working in mental health as well for 15 years, is what do I recommend? And from my own past trauma and things that I've been through and that I've experienced in life is don't be scared to ask for help. And there are still a lot of people in this world that, whether it's their religious beliefs, their own belief system, uh, pride, ego, it's still, it's, it's all still the root is based in fear of rejection, alienation, because it has been made very clear that if a person is not an asset or a resource or of a certain healthy mindset, there is a lack of care of empathy and compassion to share towards someone else that is not at their best in life. And people for the most part have gotten extremely soft and careless when we think about empathy and human compassion. That's right. You're right. 1000%. It's a good message. Is there anything that you would like to add that you would like to expand on at all, Bill, whether it's, you know, recapping more about your new series, what you're looking for, social media, what would you like to talk about? No, I I tell you, I think that was a pretty comprehensive conversation. (laughs) I can't believe how comprehensive it was. (laughs) We really, uh, we covered a lot of topics there. Uh, any upcoming uh, projects in addition to the Trouble series, or is that yeah, basically? Yeah, I just finished a, a thriller horror movie called Healing Towers, and I play a psychotic uh, serial killing um, uh, uh, psychiatrist. Oh, really? <laughs> so we just finished that in November. So that'll be take two to three months, I think, to do post production called Healing Towers. And then uh, February 15th, I go to Kentucky. I'm doing a movie called Gunslinger. Uh, with Mel Gibson, Stephen Dorff, and and uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I heard Ruby Rose, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. And, and that's in February. Are there planning on any of these projects at all, Bill? Is there going to be red carpet? Is there anything happening in LA? Any premiere? We've definitely got to get you back on live on air with Stephen Cuoco. Um, anything at all that we should get prepared for? Uh, I believe that Healing Towers will have a red carpet event. I'm pretty sure that they will, uh, but that's going to be three, four months away. I mean, they're they're um, they're you know because the holidays kind of slowed down there they're, they're um, uh, with the editor and stuff like that. So the editor's not coming back on board until now, February. So it's probably I would say four months away, and then Gunslinger. I think that's just going straight to Netflix. I don't I don't think they're going to do a. Um, they might. I don't know, though, for sure, but but I'm not sure. Okay. Bill, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. On live on air with Stephen Cuoco, and I'm excited for you. You're, you're doing thank great Thank you so things. much. You're welcome. Thank you. So, it was a great interview. Thank you so much. We, a lot of simpatico. And this is the longest interview I've done in, I would say, let me see here, uh, probably a, 
maybe about six months or so. I haven't done an interview this long and it just flowed so much. And as, yeah. as you know, and, and now have the experience and most other people know, I don't force it. I don't pre-plan anything. It's all organic. You don't know what questions are going to be asked. And that's right. uh, it just unfolds naturally. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. There's, uh, do you want to hold the line real quick, Bill, um, as I close sure. out, and then we'll just have a, a private yes. closing? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, any closing thoughts or shout-outs you would like to give at all, Bill? No, not really. Just uh, to all the pit bulls in the world, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to get you. Don't worry. Hold on. Thank you, Bill. Thank you to everyone who's joined us today on Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco. You can always listen to my show on any one of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's Amazon Music, Amazon Audible, uh, as well as Spotify and iHeartRadio. For all things Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco, you can listen to any one of my shows on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. That's power985.com. You can download the app, tune in on Alexa. Power 98.5 is also available on Amazon Music. It is every it, everywhere it's free. Um, it streams live on six, seven other platforms such as Streama, Streaminer, MyTuner, and more. Um, also, I have the great honor to share with you that Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco is officially on Biz Talk Radio. Biz Talk Radio has a lot of great shows, uh, great hosts on air, and my show airs weekdays at 8 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, and Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, If you have any reviews, comments, or just want to say hello, you can reach out to me at unitedangelsdream.com. Unitedangelsdream at gmail.com as well. All things Stephen Cuoco, whether it's public relations or media, stephencuoco.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-C-U-O-C-O. Com. Once again, biztalkradio.com as well as power985.com. Have a great day. Do well. Live well. Support your local community. Get involved in any local organization or company to help your fellow man, uh, any nonprofits, wherever you can support uh, the SPCA, Um, any no-kill animal shelters if you have them in your local area. Uh, Whatever you can do, uh, even to show support, offer dog food, cat food, be that support system. Have a wonderful week and holiday.